Just leaving room for flexibility. I know it's it's easy to have an itinerary, but sometimes it's good to also have that room for flexibility just in case you just you never know what could happen if you meet someone and you want to travel with them or if the weather's bad or something like that. So you just always want to have some room for flexibility. And then at the end of the day, like just have fun and really take in the moments that you're experiencing with yourself or with a group and I try my best to journal whenever I'm traveling. I really started to do it on this last trip because it, there's so many moments and feelings that you experience that you want to, at least for me, I want to cherish in the future. So I like to journal those thoughts when I can. But yeah, honestly, just start small, go out there, experience what you can and just have fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. In this conversation, I am joined by Maggie Zavalova. Maggie is an avid traveler, photographer, and more recently, digital nomad. As travel opened up this year and through conversations with like-minded travelers on the app Clubhouse, the idea of becoming a digital nomad began to take shape. One silver linings of the last year is that the world is more accepting of such a hybrid lifestyle. We cover Maggie's most recent adventure of a month-long solo backpacking trip to Costa Rica. And you can follow along with Maggie's adventures on her Instagram at Her Adventure Story. And there will be links in the show notes to her page so you can go check it out. Please enjoy this conversation with Maggie. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Maggie. Hey everyone, so excited to be here. I know, this is very long overdue. <laughs> We've been talking about doing this for a long time, but you recently got back from a month-long trip in Costa Rica, and so you thought it was probably the best time to just come back and document all the experiences in a way so that it's more fresh in your mind. So give us a little backstory of why Costa Rica is important to you. So I chose Costa Rica because I've been there before. I really enjoyed the country, the people, the culture, and I knew I wanted to continue exploring the country. So I decided to go there. And actually, I've had a couple of friends that have gone to the country and worked from there. And I was planning on working from there, too. I didn't make the connection because it's an easy place for you to you're still like in an American time zone so you can work more easily and it's still the tropics. Yeah, exactly. So when I first started, when I first got there, they were only an hour behind Chicago. And after when we had daylight savings a few weeks ago, now we're on the same time zone. So it worked out really well when I was working there. So yeah, I've the friends that have essentially like digital nomaded out there have had uh, a really great experience and a lot of success and just they rave about it. So I wanted to experience it myself. It was a really life-changing experience for me. I essentially just packed packed everything I needed in a backpack for a month or however long I was planning on being there. I packed it all in one backpack. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Talk about light packing. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a 40 liter backpack. So yeah. That's cool. Is that one of your longest trips? And I, I don't know if you mentioned too, you, you were solo, right? Mm-hmm. So was that one of your longest trips or probably longest trips? It was my longest solo trip. Yeah. My I've done other trips this long, but they've been to Europe and visiting my country back yeah. home. 
to the motherland. This was my first solo backpacking trip. And I had a friend that met me out there for a few days, which was really awesome to explore with her and stuff. But yeah, I was mainly alone for the whole month. And it's very different because I've solo traveled around the U.S. a lot. And I typically I've met people and had met up with friends in a lot of my travels around the U.S. But when I was solo traveling in Costa Rica, it was very different because I was staying in the hostels. So it was really cool, actually, because every day, essentially, I had a new roommate. And typically, I was in, like, six-person dorms. One time, I was in a 12-person dorm, Whoa. actually. But luckily, they weren't doing full capacity because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it was only half. So, yeah, typically, I've had six roommates. But there were times where I actually had no roommates in the hostel because October is actually the quietest month for tourism for Costa Rica. Hmm. Um, so they weren't that busy, but as soon as November hit, it got so busy. I ended up socializing way more than I thought I would being solo because there were moments that, like, that I actually, I felt lonely sometimes, like, and this only was like for two days. And then all of a sudden I like made this really awesome friend group. And after that happened, it was just like, whoa, I haven't had a moment to myself, actually. <laughs> Bro, solo travel is actually, it's really cool because when you're alone, you actually, you tend to make more friends that way. And all these solo travelers, they just get together and they all hang out. And a lot of us were working there from the one location and we would all... Like every day we would just hang out and grab a beer, go to the beach, watch the sunset. And yeah, that I, my life was very social, actually, as a solo traveler. That's surprising. I was, that was going to be like my follow-up question is like, how did you manage being on your own? Because I just imagine, at least for me, is like being alone. My thoughts at some point, I'd be wanting to just get away from that because you're alone with me and myself and I for way too long. <laughs> at least that's where I would go. And that's probably one of the reasons why people are afraid to solo travel but at least for me my my normal assumption is that you go travel with other people yeah and the the beauty of solo travel too is that you can really just throw yourself out there and you really can choose whether you want your space or you want to go hang out with 30 people there was one day that there it started to get really busy at the co-work space and I was thinking to myself, wow, I would really love to hang out with these people and just get to know them all. So one day I, with a couple of the friends I made, I asked them like, hey, would you guys be interested in just doing a little like potluck dinner? And they were all for it. So I basically like the next day I went around the whole co-work space and I told everyone like, hey, I'm planning a dinner outside at the co-work space. If you guys want to join, just bring your food seven o'clock. Let's all meet up and have a good time. And 20 people showed up. Wow. And yeah, it was really awesome. And it was really nice to be able to hang out with them like outside of the working environment. So that was really a really good time. I'm glad I did that. That's cool. It's so like different than what you, at least if you're immersed into the internet and social media world where everyone feels like they're at each other's throat. All it takes is, hey, do you want to just bring your lunch over and we'll just all hang out or whatever? Like it's so <laughs> disarming. In like the best possible way. I guess it's, we're more of the same than we are different at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually surprisingly very easy to make friends because 
like whenever I get a new roommate, I would just ask them like, hey, want to go to the party tonight? Want to get dinner? I'm going here. Want to come with me? And this and that. And nine times out of 10, they would always say, yeah, or we'd try to do something later on. It was so easy to just, I don't know. We, it's, we never, we just met and we're already like going to the next function together. So that was really fun. And, and it was so different for me because staying in the hostels really just like, it throws you into this environment that you don't normally get at other like hotel, Airbnb, things like that. Like with the hostels, you're meeting people from all over the world. And, and the thing, the one thing that you have in common truly is travel. Like you, you love to travel and when you all come together and, and you're traveling also because in a way, like you're meeting someone from a different country and different background, everything. And it's just really, I love those conversations that I've had with the people that I've met and and at the end of the day, it's like, hey, if you're ever in like Montreal or whatever, let me know. And that's and so cool. <laughs> there's so many people I've met from all over the world that I would now I'm like, OK, like, yeah, they're from that country. Like and when I go there, I'm definitely going to let them know so we can catch up. And and I've told people the same thing, like if you're ever in Chicago or even in the, in the States, I'll go anywhere to <laughs> hang out with you. <laughs> so. That's the beauty of it. That's cool. I, I wasn't expecting, I was going to ask how global or international the, the people you met there were because it, I feel like that's like, hostels are more of an international thing than they are for like America. At least I don't really know too many people that really even know or use hostels, at least from my normal group of people. And I've heard more of it now because of just talking to travelers in general. But also when my friends went to Japan, I think they stayed in a hostel that was like run by monks and they were going up the mountain in, in there and or visiting one of the shrines, if I'm remembering correctly. But it's really cool. And I think it's one of those things that like really pushes us Americans who like really value privacy, <laughs> like more so than anything else, like having your own room or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, guess what? You're going to have to get used to not having that. <laughs> Oh, gosh, the privacy. Yep, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was very nervous about the privacy because, okay, a little, like, backstory. So I stayed in my first hostel in Los Angeles, actually, but it was with people I knew that I was, like, friends with already. And so that, I think that was a different experience because I was already friends with them. But yeah. when I stayed in the hostels in Costa Rica, it was very different because you're just, like, you're sleeping in the same room with different people <laughs> that you've never met or hopefully you become friends with. And you can do co-ed, you can do all female, all male. And I just booked whatever was available. And it was really awesome because sometimes just like it turns into the party room. Actually, I was in Puerto Viejo and our room was 607. And eventually it turned into like the 607 like adventure room. Because it was really funny because when I got there a day later, one of my roommates from Manuel Antonio from the other side of the country ended up there too. And I had no idea she was going to Puerto Viejo. So that was so fun to see her there. So we ended up like hanging out and stuff. And we turned that room into the adventure room because everyone that just kept coming, like everyone was so like lively and excited. And they just, they all just wanted to hang out and have a good time. So we... 
every day we would sometimes we'd do our own thing during the day or we'd all hang out together but every day we would all get dinner together and then go out to the, get drinks and walk around the street get some street food just have a good time so it was really fun to have that a little community in that specifically but yeah. that's so cool it's like matching the vibe like the energy of the room is like di dictated by the people who like join it it's an interesting thing right like you don't so like those small things you don't think about unless you're like in it and you're like i don't do anything fun and so maybe it's not that it's maybe it's like the people you're around <laughs> just don't want to do the things that you, you want to do it's a a weird thing and i guess we didn't really mention is it. like you saw most of the country really like major parts of the country because you mentioned two places or two hostels in different areas already like how much of the country did you see or like places yeah i saw a good chunk of the country although there's still so much that i need to see like there's two peninsulas that i have not been to i've been to the northern peninsula for my last trip but not entirely in the last two trips that i went to costa rica i was only in the rainforest and then this time i i hopped around the coast on the west and the east side so yeah i would say i've seen a good chunk of them but there's still so many places i want to experience too yeah i can imagine it just seems like i think one of the things you told me on instagram was how much biodiversity and i was like what and I remember what the percentage was, but it's like insane. And then do you know, just as like a random fun fact, I can find this on the internet if you don't know, but that how big the country is or like how long it would take to drive from one side to the other? To drive from one side to the other is, so basically I went from Manuel Antonio to Puerto Viejo. And whenever you want to do a trip from coast to coast, you have to go through San Jose because the middle, if you look on the map, it's like, when you look at it, it seems very easy to just drive in a straight line to the other side, but you actually can't do that. You have to go north and then you go south. I did a trip from Manuel Antonio to Puerto Viejo, and that was about seven hours. Surprisingly, actually, the public transportation is very affordable, where a trip like this is about 10 to $20. But actually, so the hostels, they have their own service, like the shuttle service, where they'll take you from one hostel to the other. And it's usually ends up being like 90 or so, $90 or so per person, depending on where you're going, maybe 60 to 90. So that was convenient. But yeah, there's a lot of options. That's cool. I wouldn't have expected that the, the hostels themselves would have networks that to make it easier for people to get around i assume they're strategically located so there's one in every major part of the country just so people can get around was there any because i know that you like taking wildlife photos and just immersing yourself in the different locations and finding interesting things to take photos of was there anything that stuck out to you that you were either looking for or found that you weren't expecting oh yeah i when i was in manuel antonio actually I saw so many sloths and they were actually right on the property. So you could just look up and you would see a sloth like every so every few days and toucans everywhere, macaws, so many different birds. I think like that area alone had 400 something different bird species, something up there. But yeah, I really enjoyed the wildlife in that area. There's wildlife all over Costa Rica, but that area was rainforest and beach. So you had a lot of, oh, interesting, a lot of wildlife, but 
in Puerto Viejo, actually, I saw a sloth walking, making a trek from one tree to the next tree. <laughs> and it, it took him about 10 minutes to get from one tree to the next. It wasn't that far, but he got it and it was really cute. He, It's really, it's really cute. Sloths look very happy. Like their facial expression just looks very happy. So he's just like, smiling and like making his way to the next tree and yeah so that was really cool to see in the wild that's awesome it's it's one of those things that i think about sloths it's like how does that work in all of evolution or biology like the fact that a sloth exists and still exists today makes no sense to me but <laughs> they're here and they make good photos though for some reason <laughs> just chilling in the bush there's one photo or video you put up where you like were standing at the top of one of your hostels or the co-working spaces and you like zoomed in and found a sloth just like at the top of a tree and I was like how the heck did you see that it's just a sea of green and then just a random sloth oh yeah they really blend into the trees but it's so funny because almost every day someone would find something out there and in at the co-work space in Manuel Antonio it literally overlooks the rainforest, so there's so many options, <laughs> to, so many things to look at. And so every day someone would find something, then we would all crowd over, what did you find? Yeah, so. I'd, I'd be, I have too much ADD. I'd be way too interested about finding something outside <laughs> than working. <laughs> I'm very surprised at how um, efficient I was with work, and I... No, actually, I woke up very early every day. I started work very early and I was very productive and not to say I'm not productive back home. Like, I was nervous about that for a little bit. Okay, there's like distractions. There's people I've been used to like working in my own space for a while, but everyone is very in the zone and and when it's lunchtime, like people go out to lunch and stuff, but generally everyone's in, in their own zone and working typically during the day and whatnot but yeah it actually it went really well for me and I hope to be able to do that again but yeah I only worked for half of my trip and and then the other half I was I did have some time off so it was good to get like that experience of being a digital nomad abroad and then also yeah just getting some time like off. The, the first time of being able to like truly remote work we've all been doing some version of remote work or majority of us have been doing some remote version of that but it's a very different thing doing it from home than it is from or from a coffee shop than it is from like in a hostel or that's the other question i guess i should ask it's it were the hostels co-working spaces or were there separate co-working spaces near the hostels so i stayed in the selena hostels primarily except for one but the selena is known for just the digital nomad experience like they provide the co-work spaces for you they have kitchens they have wellness like uh, yoga and all that they have the fitness equipment so they have everything meant for living that is really good idea yeah it's it's a genius idea <laughs> but yeah so it was really nice to have all of those options and you just wake up and then your office is upstairs or whatever it may be has all your bases covered you don't need to worry about things i feel like that's the main driver for a lot of the stuff like, i feel like most people sweat the small stuff like the nitty-gritty details and it's this one thing already figures out most of that for you you just got to show up <laughs> so the selena hostel chain they have a co-live program which is meant for digital nomads and essentially it's just like 
you have your co-workspace included, you have your wellness included, the kitchen, all that. Because if you weren't on the program, you would have to pay for those things separately. But it's actually a really good deal. And I ended up spending about $400 for the month for first day and all that. There were some locations that were a little bit more because they were like premium locations, but I think it was around 400 I don't know if you want to describe it, but you've mentioned Digital Nomad a couple of times. I feel like it's pretty common nowadays, but if you want to describe it or maybe like how you got interested in the idea of Digital Nomad, I think the first time I had heard it probably around 2013 or so. There's a book that has been referenced many times by Rolf Potts called Vagabonding. Whenever I think of Digital Nomad, that's what I think of. So I don't know if you want to give like your little backstory of like just general Digital Nomad thoughts. Yeah, Digital Nomad to me is just someone who's working remotely and hopping around places and traveling. Doesn't really have a home base but you're just working remotely and traveling and taking your laptop with you I just in the last few years it has become way more common because there's a lot of people that have been working remotely and all that so it's actually very interesting to see like all the people that I've met in the hostels that have been working a lot of them were either entrepreneurs or some of them were working in corporate or um doing some other things, other office jobs and things like that. But it's really nice to have the, these hostels that actually see that there's a need for it and will create these spaces for you. Just make it your own playground. <laughs> it's an interesting idea because I don't know why what you just said gave me a different thought. Is like, because part of it to me is, at least on the news, you'll see these articles, it's called like the Great Recession right now, or not recession, resignation. So like a whole bunch of people are leaving their jobs after this pandemic and things like that. They're like, yeah, I don't really care if you're going to pay me more. If I don't get to live where I want to live or work where I want to work, I'll go find something different, even with less pay. And so part of me is thinking, is this maybe the death of the office in the first stage of it, maybe? Because like you said, there's corporate people there who are like, I'm going to Costa Rica to go work kind of thing. It, it makes me think about what's the future. Like, why do like why do we have to make these cubicle farms that everyone just hates their life after doing it for a certain amount of time? It's like, why not let people go? If the jungle is the thing they want to go see for a little bit, why not go for two weeks? As long as they stay on top of the stuff they need to stay on top of, why not? Yeah, exactly. And I will say it's definitely not something that's easy or I wouldn't recommend it to everyone and and I've had my own challenges with it too is <laughs> Wi-Fi issues, security mm -hmm. issues. I've experienced a lot of different challenges with working remotely, especially outside of my home where I'm com most comfortable. I guess at this point, but just with highlighting challenges and stuff, it might be a good point to just talk about general tips since you've been traveling so much in the last year since COVID has lessened a bit. Whatever you found useful for either finding good flights or planning things, because I know you're, you're pretty planning oriented on at least having your bases covered for those kind of things. So did you have, like, how did you pack things? Because you mentioned that you had some tips to get through the baggage check. And then also, did you have all of your hostels picked out pre, like before you even got on the first plane or did you buy the second one or something later on? Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of tips I would love to share. There's from the basics of just finding your flight. I typically use the Google flight um, search engine and I use it on incognito mode so that the flight <laughs> companies are not 
searching your cookies and all that so that they don't rack up the prices. So I use Google Flights. It's been very helpful to find cheap flights for basically what I like to do is if I'm going somewhere and I have the dates picked out, I'll actually put the dates in and then see what is the cheapest location for those dates mm-hmm, okay. Chicago. And then that's where I'll go with that. And actually, that's how I chose Costa Rica in a way, too, because it was only $150 to fly round trip. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I found that one, but it was a steal. <laughs> Just using the search engines. And then I'm actually, so I used to be a big planner back in the day. I've really, I haven't really planned much. This year, with the trips that I've done, just like I'll write out things that I would like to do or see. I keep that in the back of my head, but I am more just go with the flow with things. And because when you get to a place and a lot of times if you meet the locals, they'll have different recommendations for you. And then as you start to make friends and whatnot, like you'll go on different adventures together too. And that's for the solo trips. But yeah, so some random tips that I have about solo traveling in general and this list goes on i just showed you how long it is yeah we definitely don't need to cover all of them but if you want to send more we can put them in the show notes if you want to do that but however you want to do it yeah no problem so just some like regular tips about solo travel and staying in hostels is buying a towel for your hostel bed privacy it's nice to have like essentially having a curtain Not Mm. all hostels will provide a curtain, so like having towels to create that privacy for you and having an expired license or state ID because sometimes you'll go to rent a bike or rent something and a lot of times they'll ask you for an ID to like hold on to. Oh, you're not going to hand over your passport or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. I was actually asked for my passport and I had my expired driver's license so i gave that to them because you just never know if you're if something happens to the bike like you just never know and i didn't want to risk and then just having a hanger for your clothes to dry especially in costa rica that's so important because it's extremely humid and having a rope in your hostel dorm is really essential and actually i didn't bring this someone recommended to me before i left my trip and i wish i would have brought it because i just i kept hanging everything up on like my bed but (laughs) I wish I had this rope that I could just hang everything there for it to dry because it takes a while for things to dry there it looked like everything too just from like the photos you'd shared like everything was like a lot of open space like not really many windows and stuff or like maybe there were some but for the most part things were just open air in general because it's just always generally so nice probably except probably if it rains but yeah no a lot of the a lot of the hostels I stayed at were open space, and there was this one that I stayed literally in the jungle, and the whole hostel was out in the open. You didn't have any doors or anything, and you just, if it was raining, you could hear the rain so perfectly, and the birds and animals, and it was just, it was a very unique experience, just like sleeping in the jungle with everything out in the open. So that was very cool. That's crazy. I don't know. It just seems so strange to just hear all the jungle sounds, especially like at night. <laughs> just be like, I'm in nature now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one point that I was with my friend at this time, and there was a bird that kept coming in our room. And we actually had nets in that hostel because it was so 
out in the open. And I was so nervous. Oh gosh, this bird is just going to like land on my face when I'm sleeping. So let's talk a little bit about the planning that you did or didn't do for this particular trip. Yeah. So for this last month in Costa Rica, I had general things planned out where I would just, I booked the hostels that I wanted to stay at in the cities that I wanted to be at. But actually I ended up changing most of my itinerary because I met a really awesome group of people at one location. So I ended up staying there another week and it was just very convenient there too with working and all that. So I was like going back and forth between going to the peninsula and then going to another place. And and then I actually was debating on going to Panama because Bocas del Toro is right there next to Puerto Vieja and all that. So I was juggling a few different ideas, but I ended up just moving around my itinerary a lot. And and it was nice to be able to go with the flow with that because at the hostels, you're it's so easy to make friends there. And if you vibe with a group, like you just want to continue traveling with them and and experiencing the country with them. So it was really fun. Once I made those friends, we all just like adventured together. And there are a few people that I ended up traveling to other cities with. And so it was a very unique experience given that I didn't have a strict timeline yeah. for the month. I feel like that's, I feel like once you stay longer than like a couple of days, it's probably the best way to do it because it's, you don't have, it's too much time to be able to plan like every day and have be set to a schedule because you're just like, I don't know, you're going to miss something that you'd much rather want to do because you're like, I've planned this and I now I can't go do the thing I really want. I don't know. It just seems like a silly way to do it. Like <laughs> at least stick to the big things. Okay, after two weeks we go here rather than like, trying to get too granular with it yeah oh definitely and it's so funny because if this was me like a couple of years ago and anyone that knows me from college I was a big planner and I still like to plan things and don't get me wrong I love planning but for the trips that I've done I'm I just go with the flow with them and just experience it in the moment and yeah, and decide on the day, like what I want to do that day, if, how I'm feeling, if I want to just relax or if I want to go hike the jungle. So, yeah, it's interesting. It almost sounds like that's what this trip just became, anyways, just because it was not your first choice, anyways, because of the just extraneous circumstances since you weren't able to go to Europe. And then well, this was like next best thing. And maybe that helps to put you in a mindset where you're like, who cares? This is option B, anyways. Let's just go have fun and get out of the US whatever is going on here just shake up the the snow globe exactly all right so i want to rewind a little bit here because what was that probably like late or rather so early this year during covid we you had gotten onto clubhouse i don't even know who sent you the link but then you were had gotten me on it but you were basically using it to connect with travelers who couldn't travel for the most part and basically just what is the story of that? Because it, to me, like as an outsider looking in, I see Clubhouse was the catalyst of basically getting you to the point of this Costa Rica travel, like doing a one month solo thing because you were in part of all those like hostile life and different Clubhouse groups that were all about it. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone that knows me personally, I honestly lived on Clubhouse for a few months last year, not last year, but earlier this year. And a lot of the rooms that I was in, okay, hold on. I feel like when you say what Clubhouse is. So basically Clubhouse is like real time 
chat rooms. And typically you'd have moderators that create like a page or a, it's really just a room. And they'll, if they're live or having a group running, it'll have some sort of like question or theme based on the time that are, they're there. So other ones are less structured. But in general, you can find, if there's an interest you have, you, you can find a group of people talking about the thing you're interested in. So Maggie found ones that were all about traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was fully immersed in the travel community on Clubhouse. And I definitely lived on Clubhouse for a few months during the colder parts of this year. And so I was in so many different rooms, like hostel life, digital nomading, quitting your job to travel the world, all this, just all these travel rooms and listening to people who have done this and traveled with their, while they were working or not working, but they fulfilled their dreams of wanting to travel more than just once a year or something like that. But it was really inspiring to listen to everyone that has done what I wanted to do and so, and eventually I started to make friends with these people and listen to their stories and be able to ask them questions and everyone is so supportive and they just, the travel community is a great community. And then, and I also met the Travelers Chill Lounge in person. So the Travelers Chill Lounge shout out is a, another room that goes on every night from usually 10 p.m. or so central time and it's been going on since January so we're actually hitting our one-year anniversary soon and everyone in that group has traveled the world in some capacity and some people do it full-time others do it when they can and it's just it's really nice to have that community and they really support you and, and encourage you to you know follow those dreams so I've just throughout the months that the beginning of the year I was really just inspired by all these people and listening to their stories. And I think that's what one day I was, I just said to myself, I really want this and I want to try it out, see where it goes. And I just, I decided one day, I think my first trip might've been like to Miami or something that I went, actually, yeah, it was when I went to Florida and then I ended up working in in Florida for a bit and that was good and ever since then like it's been getting easier but there's definitely a lot of challenges that I've encountered but you go with the flow you figure it out and you move on so growing pains it was interesting just to see because I was like flying the wall for many of those clubhouse when it was like at its peak hype which is ironic with this conversation coming up I was thinking about clubhouse again I'm like where did that go because I haven't been on it in a, in a while at this point, I'm like, I wonder if it's still as active as it used to be, because I feel like with people getting being able to go back out and into the world more, it's not been as in a focal point for people to interact. But when it was at its peak, it felt like a place for a lot of these people who wanted to travel or just were really outgoing or liked interfacing with people who were not like them as a way to still push that envelope, exploring in the digital way <laughs> or traveling in a digital way, which is it's an interesting idea. Clubhouse was definitely more active earlier last year when it came out, but then when restrictions started to get a little easier and all that and people were going out and stuff and then it got warmer, Clubhouse has definitely changed just a little bit, but the Traveler's Chill Lounge is still going on every night and there's still a lot of different chat rooms that are going on in the travel community that I pop into sometimes. So the people are still there. And it's nice to catch up with people I haven't talked to in a couple of months, but it's also really cool because I follow a lot of them on Instagram and now it's really 
cool to see them actually like doing what they've been talking about. So. Right. Yeah. Rather than just talking about what they've done, they're actually going out and doing things again. That's that's a cool idea. I didn't think about that. That's awesome. And then I guess the only other one is, so I recently came back from Austin and to me, it's just like whenever I go on even short trips, I, I notice like how much of our routine is self-imposed on like how much we spend our time on like useless things or, or like time sinks. And I'm just curious, like after spending a month and now coming back to Chicago, do you, do you have a different perspective on like your daily routine? Oh, definitely. That's a great question. Yeah, I definitely developed a routine when I was out there. I generally woke up around 530 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> I watched the sunrise and then I would, if the, the weeks that I was working, I would generally start work around seven and then after work, grab a beer, go watch the sunset with your friends and <laughs> dinner. And generally after work too, I would go do yoga and try to exercise every day as much as I could. So it was very easy for me to create a routine. Surprisingly, despite how like how social I was every day, I'm generally more of a hermit here in Chicago sometimes. Like I'm alone more often throughout the week. But in Costa Rica, I was just like very busy every day, just like busy hanging out with people and stuff. I ended up doing a few lessons for surfing when I was there too. So it became part of my routine. So that was a really fun time being able to surf. And wow, it's a challenging sport, but I'm so determined to get good at it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, definitely not many opportunities to learn surfing around here. No. <laughs> It's awesome. Now you've like run the gamut for all sports at this point, done all the winter stuff, and now you're getting into surfing. <laughs> what are you even missing at this point from like adventure sports, whitewater rafting maybe, or kayaking? <laughs> I have done those, but actually not in Costa Rica. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like just in general. <laughs> yeah. I did go paddle boarding though. That was really cool. Oh, yeah, that, those are cool. I've seen that. I remember... I think in Cancun, I don't know if Costa Rica is like this, but when I went to Cancun, they had a whole bunch of like underground rivers that you could do like snorkeling and stuff under, which was like crazy because of just how clear the water is. Oh, yeah. And especially on the Caribbean side, the water is much clearer, although it's not as clear as it used to be, just unfortunately with global warming and all that. But it is significantly more clear than the Pacific side. And it was really cool to be there and experience that. For my first time, I've never seen such clear water. So yeah, there there's definitely snorkeling opportunities out there, which I recommend. So you mentioned a couple of the cities you visited and how like unique they were. If you want to just expand on what the difference is or what you just picked up on at the different places that made them feel so unique. Yeah, definitely. So I the places that I've been to in Costa Rica this trip was Jaco, Vita, Dominical. Manuel Antonio and Puerto Viejo. I started from San Jose, which is the largest city in the country, and then kind of went to the West Coast first. And so, for example, Jaco, you have, that's like a big surf town. And that's where I started surfing. Oh my gosh, the waves out there are, they're crazy, <laughs> but it's really good. It's a really good surf. And that's when I was still learning. So I was like, a bit overwhelmed but I was determined to keep going but so that air is very different and then you have like Uvita and Dominical which just starts to get more like beachy and then Manuel Antonio is a jungle and very a jungle with a beach a lot of beaches actually and then 
Puerto Viejo is on the East Coast, and that's the Caribbean side. It's very different from one side to the other, and the food is very different, the culture. And you have, for example, all of Costa Rica, they eat casado, which is rice and beans mixed together, sometimes separate. And then you have your meat and your plantains and your salad. And then gallo pinto, which is their traditional breakfast, which is also rice and beans and eggs and tortilla and plantain. So a lot of similarities there. But then when you get to the Caribbean side, they actually have a dish called rice and beans. And it's made with a lot of their cooking is made with coconut oil, coconut milk. And they combine their rice and beans together, and then they give you meat or vegetables or something, but it might be in, like, Caribbean sauce or Jamaican sauce or jerk sauce or something like that, and it's so good. The food on the Caribbean side, wow, delicious. The food in the whole country is delicious. I'm not sure if there's any other, like, things that stood out to you from your trip there that we may have not covered so far. I feel like we've hit a lot of the high points already, you know, from the animals to the wildlife to the different places or food and just all the travelers you met. It seems like you met some pretty awesome groups of people. Unless there's anything else that you want to add, I got one more question before we wrap up. Bring it. So really, it's advice you'd give to either a new traveler or someone who's you know gone through this last year and a half and is, I need something new. So what advice for someone who's just trying to shake things up for themselves? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And my answer to that is to just start small. Unless you want to go big, go home. But I recommend starting small, even if it's like a weekend trip, going to another state or something like that. Just really trying it out by yourself. If you're, if that person is wanting to start solo travel, just seeing what it's like to travel on your own and be with yourself in a new environment and then build up on that throughout the year, throughout the next few years. And because eventually you'll find that you're, you may start to crave more and whether you go with friends or by yourself, I think you'll really start to enjoy those experiences. And some final tips when you are traveling, I think it's very important to get to know the locals, the culture, and you know, especially when you're traveling in another country with a different language, getting to know the language, learning some of the basics. And I think it's very important to make an effort to speak the language where you're at, even though it may be hard, but the locals really appreciate it and never know what you'll learn. But it's, that's been my favorite part is getting to know the community in the places I've been. And there's a lot of people that I made friends that are from Costa Rica and that I'll stay in touch with. And so I'm looking forward to going back and visiting them too. Just leaving room for flexibility. I know it's it's easy to have an itinerary, but sometimes it's good to also have that room for flexibility just in case you just, you never know what could happen if you meet someone and you want to travel with them or if the weather's bad or something like that. So you just always want to have some room for flexibility. And then at the end of the day, like just have fun and really take in the moments that you're experiencing with yourself or with a group. And I try my best to journal whenever I'm traveling. I really started to do it on this last trip because it, there's so many moments and feelings that you experience that you want to, at least for me, I want to cherish in the future. So I like to journal those thoughts when I can. But 
yeah, honestly, just start small, go out there, experience what you can, and just have fun. And then uh, as a closing note, where can people find you on the internet if they want to get in touch or talk about all things travel? Yeah, of course. My Instagram is the best place. So that's her adventure story on Instagram. And yeah, my DMs are open. If anyone has any questions, I'm more than happy to help and would love to chat and help you make your next adventure come true. So happy to help anyone. Wait, I have a link in the show notes as always. And without spending any more of your time, since we could go for a very long time talking about all the rest of the travels, we'll leave it for just Costa Rica this time. But there's definitely more than enough room to talk about so much more or previous Costa Rica adventures, even <laughs> as we alluded to. But I really appreciate you making the time to finally come on the podcast and talk a little bit about the things that you spend so much time thinking about and want to go do. So this was really fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I love, I always love catching up with you and talking about our lives and what we've got going on. So thanks for having me.